In this episode, we're looking at VC's reflections on what it takes to be a great CFO in tech. To shine a spotlight on that, we're talking to Stephen Dunn from Frog Capital. Stephen is a senior partner at Frog Capital and is the head of portfolio and their operating partner program. He's a chartered accountant who prior to Frog worked in PE portfolio management and held operational roles in both PE and VC-backed businesses. I'm Guy Hutchinson, and I'm the host of CFO Insights, as well as being a tech CFO. As you'll learn in this podcast, there are a few things VCs look for from CFOs that step some way beyond experiences you might have captured in corporate life. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Guy. Uh, it's great to be on the podcast. And we have met quite a few times over the last four or five years. And one of the things that we've talked about, actually, often when we synced up is uh, frog and frog specific interest in CFOs. That, that's partly born out of your experience. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we're very keen on helping all parts of a business uh, develop through scale up. But my own personal passion is around developing CFOs. Uh, I have been a CFO in VC and PE backed businesses. And I've also obviously been on the other side of the fence, working in PE houses and, and unfortunately letting the CFOs go for various reasons. And it's great to be on the side of helping people to develop and achieve their ambitions within the CFO function. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually something that um, we're going to try to cover in a future podcast is how the CFO's role sort of transitions a bit and is perhaps a bit more in the spotlight in PE, but also incredibly important in these early stage businesses and these scale ups. Indeed, and I think it's undervalued within uh, scale-up, certainly in early stage VC, it's probably a bit of an afterthought and often founders and entrepreneurs don't really value it early enough. And that's one of the key mantras that we have as we go into scale-up is about investing for the future. And we see investing in a really good CFO as a great investment to protect the the, the opportunities of the business as it goes forward. Yeah. And our, yeah, like if we talk with our members, the one thing that we tend to realize is that people want to be involved early. But they also want to be really valued. So like the first finance person that you bring in, maybe like a really early stage business, the asks might be about, around things like cash flow, just understanding runway and things like this. But of course, the people that are really bringing a good deal of leadership, they're doing much more than that. Exactly. And I think it is, it is a skill set to be able to cover such a wide range of activities you'll get in, in an early stage business. Um, as obviously you're building out into growth stage, you're looking at more building up the finance team as well. Um, but that still means quite a lot of hands-on activity. So I think uh, there are different uh, characteristics and personalities that suit being in a VC-backed business versus being in larger organizations. And part of our role is to educate founders in particular, what is good, what does good look mm. like for a, a CFO at this stage of, of the organization's development? Yeah. And and lots of founders, they they haven't really met a CFO before, right? Their, their, their journey might have been a tech journey or a sales journey, and they've reached the point where they've got a great business that's going somewhere, but they genuinely might not have worked with a CFO before. Exactly. And, and their, their expectation of what a CFO would do is pretty much what a financial controller would do. They mm. don't see any value add uh, above that. And so it's an important transition. And as you say, benchmarking and showing them uh, people who are in that role in, in other areas within the portfolio is a good way of opening their eyes, really, as to what value they might get from someone who really does help to share the leadership burden and really adds value at the at the top level. They're not just about producing the management accounts and, and looking backwards at the numbers. There's a real contribution that, uh, that a founder is going to value. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we talk to members at our events, what we tend to find is that those, those leadership topics are the ones that people are really drawn into because that's 
that is the difference really between being the controller level and being a genuine leader and occupying that that CFO role. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it's something that um, when people undervalue in terms of the finance journey, the finance career development, I think that idea that people build up their technical skills is really clear. Mm. How do they build up their leadership skills uh, is probably less clear. And uh, hopefully things like this podcast help people to realize that they do need to invest in that for themselves as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so if we look at our themes, we see a lot of CFOs graduating, doing things that are more challenging in, in businesses that are becoming big and really scaling, mm. but maybe not always investing in themselves. And there's a real kind of dynamic there, which is you're super busy, you're building a great business, uh, but you've got to find the time to really look at your personal development and make sure that you're building out and filling any gaps. But I think before we dive into some of the ideas that Frog have about what what kind of things a great CFO ought to be doing, it might be interesting just to sort of scope out um, Frog's, frog's remit, a typical type of investment, the, the type of stage that they're at? Yes, so we are an investor in uh, software scale-ups across Europe, uh, companies which have a, a clear positive purpose. We focus on companies which probably have a, a, a run rate revenue of, of between 5 and 10 million. So below the radar, a lot of the bigger funds. And what we're really looking to do is to take them on that growth journey where it probably is a little bit lacking in infrastructure and development to the point that we invest. And how do you mature that business so that that infrastructure can support a business which is going to be 20, 30 million of revenue in a fairly short period of time? So we're looking to to invest ahead of the curve, get, get that sort of education with, with the senior um, leadership team within the organization about what they need to do to be fit for purpose, not just for the next year, which is sort of probably where they've been in the past, very reactive to what's happening in a very fast changing business, but actually start to think a little bit longer term, a little bit about how you're going to make sure that you're not just facing difficult decisions every 12 months, or you're not reacting to things going wrong, but you're actually ahead of the game. You're aware of the things that might cause bottlenecks or, or slow down your growth. And so all of the learnings that uh, the Frog has got through its operating partners, through its partners and through its other portfolio companies really bring to bear that, that case for doing something early and making sure that some of the obvious things that could go wrong uh, are mitigated well in advance. And, and certainly for me, you know, getting a really good CFO on board very early is one of the biggest insurance policies I can see coming into a company that means there will be more process, discipline, uh, decision making. Um, and that'll make the, the whole sort of forecasting and, and management of, of the growth easier. Makes sense. Yeah. So if I think about some CFOs that I've met who clearly have stellar careers, they develop almost an early warning radar where they really understand the business. They've got a sense as to which metrics are moving now that are telling them that something's going to happen in three months time or six months time. Mm. And they've got a sense of the kind of dynamic between What's happening internally? What, what what's happening in the market they're in? To uh, your point, it's uh, that forward thinking piece is a really big differentiator. It, it is, and I think one of the one of the big things that we see that helps company comes come, come through difficult times is planning ahead and making those decisions ahead of time. So, forcing people to make decisions in the what if scenarios when if there's you know a massive fall off in in sales, where are we going to cut costs? Doing that without the emotion of it's right in front of you, it's right on top of you, what are we going to do? But doing it in the cold, calm light of day, uh, when you can take the emotion out of it, gets to better decisions. And what it also does then is when those issues happen, there's no panic, there's a control, there's a feeling like, right, okay, management know what they're doing, they have a plan B, they have a plan C, so anything that's going to happen, 
there's a degree of comfort within the employees and obviously customers as well, mm. that this is a company that knows how to deal with situations that arise. And it doesn't feel like it's sort of going from super growth to, to potentially going mm. nowhere at all very quickly. It's got that sort of safe base of, of knowing how to maybe slow down growth a bit, but continue in the right trajectory. Yeah. 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 Sort of making those key changes, but, but, but doing it with true leadership. It's uh yeah, not 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 always easy, but if you've got enough kind of forward planning, then I think it's uh, something people can do. Yeah. And, and you were saying earlier that uh, Frog over time have ended up with a sort of a group of competencies or sort of key key skills that they see to be really important to CFOs as they're going through this stage, mm-hmm. um, and they're kind of grouped grouped into a series of categories. It'd be, be really interesting just to hear, you know, how the team here have kind of explored that and sort of thought about which 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 things are critical and sort of how that informs their thinking about finding a great CFO and helping that person to mature and develop. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think one of the key things we're obviously looking for in a CFO is that they are partaking in the decision making process. I think too often sort of um, the, the finance function can be a recipient of the decisions after they've been made and sometimes they try and push back on them, but that's too late. It's about being part of the decision-making process right up front. And one of the the best ways that the finance function and the CFO can be that uh, person is by being right at the center of the information and making sure there's really good quality information that allows decisions to be made on the best data that's uh, available. We're quite a a data-driven organization ourselves. We like to see real data. I think that helps in the growth stage that there's more data to work on with the companies Mm. we look at versus it's more sort of market and team and and emotion at the earlier stage. But we like to sort of drive that through our companies as well to make sure that they are collecting good data, they're looking at it in the right way, but also then that is being represented at the top level. And so for that, you need a CFO who has credibility, who demonstrates understanding of the business. I think you know it's easy for founders potentially to sometimes think, oh, well, that's just the numbers, but it's not an understanding of what really goes on. And making those connections uh, for a CFO uh, is really important. And that requires a sort of a collation of information, not just from the finance department, but making sure it's seen to be all encompassing that everyone in the company is contributing to that information. And therefore it is a more holistic view that's coming to this decision rather than just, you know, it's based on you know, the, the numbers from finance. Yeah. And that that's often aligned with the CFO who is really owning sort of data analytics or BI, depending on which, which, which language you use and sort of bringing that into the trading meeting and sort of being able to govern that as one truth, yeah. because you, you can have challenges where the data resides in a resource that's available to many people across the business but perhaps the interpretation of those data points differs a little bit and that and that can bring a little bit of fog to how people make yeah. uh, decisions. Well, I see it as, um, as also often that the, the data is in silos at the point that we invest. Mm. Um, you know, sales has built out its own little database and you know, ops has their own and then you've got finance on theirs and there isn't a joined up thinking because there isn't a joined up view of the world. Um, and one of the things that we encourage very early on is that finance basically takes control of those data points and brings them together. It doesn't mean that they all have to be in one place, but it doesn't mean they're all feeding into one depository of, yeah. uh, of insights that then can be used for, for, for decision-making in a way that means that everybody's sort of um, take on the world is taken account of, that you're not sort of suddenly coming up with a conclusion and then sales saying, oh, but we look at it in a different way and we haven't taken account of the way that we need to go to market. So I, I think it's really important that part of the evolution of, um, of a company sees that sort of one version of the truth people often talk about 
Um, and I think the the most obvious place for me, obviously, being an ex-CFO for that to sit is in the finance department with a really good CFO who can provide the insight that comes out of that data. Mm-hmm. And obviously, data is just data, but it's the insight that's important. And, and maybe you need a BI person or someone like that to really drive it out. But that's the key thing is, is that there is the data with insight and that's right at front and center of the decision making of the business as it's making important decisions and particularly making those decisions early based on that good quality data. Yeah, absolutely. So so you now got your CFO, you've de de-siloed the, the data issues, you've got one truth. Uh you might you might have a, a kind of BI type person underneath the CFO to help to formulate that. So you've got the data for all of the departments, but there's some governance from the CFO. Yeah. So you know that the numbers are good. And then presumably there's a resource allocation angle where that that person's then sort of taking that the next step forward and saying, well, actually, we we kind of know our levers really well. We can describe what happens if we add another three salespeople or something like this. Yeah. And I think that at this stage, it's really important to be uh, inclusive in that decision making, that this isn't seen like a decision that's coming from the top and driven down, but that um, the parties who are going to be affected by those resource allocation decisions see it, uh, see it how it's made, that it's transparent, that it's fair. This isn't about you know people playing favorites. This is data driven. This is um, based on the the best information that's available. Obviously, there will still be things that people might not be happy about if if their particular department doesn't you know win all of the resources that they think. But there should be a quality of process uh, and a quality of decision making that means that people understand where it came from and nobody is sitting there saying, well, that just came out of the blue. I don't know why mm. they did that. Um, they're more likely to buy into it, even if they disagree with it, if they understand the bigger picture of I didn't get two people in my department because they've gone into sales and sales really needs it because that's where the bottleneck is. So sort of a little bit more of a sort of communication and, and sort of engaging more people in the organization in the decision making, I think, can make a huge difference in terms of the overall ability to execute effectively on it. There aren't people sitting there saying, I don't disagree, therefore I'm not going to sort of do my bit to execute on this. Everyone should ultimately sort of see there's a bigger picture here, there's a purpose of the organization, there's something we're trying to achieve, and this is the way to go, go about it. Mm. And that's partnering, really. That's that sort of classic business partnering, but probably being done by the CFO or their team to ensure people are bought into what the data means and how it will be used in any decision about you know resourcing or something of this ilk. But I guess also it, it's also about how the executive team how, how the exec team operates, the, the, the degree to which they collaborate on decisions and avoiding things being done in subgroups or behind closed doors. Yeah. And I think there obviously is a big element here of sort of building the trust in, in that group. And I think there is clearly an element of a new CFO coming into to a business, obviously in the scenario that we see, having to really build that trust very quickly and demonstrate that they are a team player and they are trying to sort of help everyone to make better decisions rather than somebody who's coming in who feels like they're just going to be pushing decisions out to other people and, and not taking their views into account. So I think it's really important for me that the CFOs really get out there amongst the business and really try to or be, you know, try to and be, are seen to be trying to understand every element of the business so there can't be a pushback on you don't understand my area you've never been down to the shop floor and, and seen what's really happening you've never been out with a you know a sales guy to a customer yeah. you should do all those things so that they can't um, push back on those areas uh, and then you can feel like you know you're, you're building the trust of the other senior execs within the organization and it will feel like a more collaborative decision based on the data that you're providing yeah, that makes a huge amount of sense. So essentially, you've got a CFO, they're joining what is broadly going into the scale up stage. 
ideally they've tackled the one truth challenge they've got their handle on the numbers they've yeah. understood the business because they've been able to you know meet a few customers and really understand some of the more substantial moving parts and and then i guess you're looking for them to sort of be scoring highly in in this leadership group of qualities yeah, it, it's. Yeah, I think it's, it's, as we've discussed before, I think it's the big differentiator between someone who is just a financial controller and somebody who is genuinely a CFO is they are contributing at that leadership level and really sharing the burden of uh, of, of leadership. And often uh, companies that we go into, that, that is very squarely on the shoulders of, of the CEO or the founder, and that hasn't been an awful lot of extension outwards. And so it's a really important role, as you said, sort of partnering between CFO and CEO, there might be other C-level guys in there as well. But, but I think as, as a part of a, a proposition that's really going to help to take a business forward, if the CFO can be seen there as part of that leadership group, really providing a degree of, of comfort to the rest of the business, that things are being looked at in the right way, that decisions are being made in a transparent and, and a disciplined way. And really that's sort of a, something around... You know, projecting a, an element of, of calmness in the business that even if something goes wrong there's there's a scenario planning that means that we know what we're going to do next uh, there's no panic around what needs to be done there's already a, a thought through plan i think that's so important in a growth situation because the momentum can be knocked off course so easily mm. and you get into a sort of a negative spiral of people not thinking they believe in the purpose anymore and you know maybe you get a few people resigning and then that can come become you know quite negative quite quickly so just putting a, a lid on that very quickly by everyone feeling, OK, there's, there's been a bit of a bump in the road here, but actually still believe we're going to get to where we need to be because the guys at the top are showing that they've, they've got the, uh, the control over the process. They know what they're going to do next. And that really translates itself all the way through the organization. Mm. And like those are really personal qualities. They're the qualities of the person under pressure, being able to cope with a changing environment, being being able to cope with the fact that probably up until this point, the founder has decided everything almost on their own. And mm. suddenly they're having to share those things with the CFO and other members of the team. So like what, what qualities do, do, do Frog see in those CFOs who, who do incredibly well in this leadership bracket? Yeah, I think I mean, we we referenced resilience as one of our core elements of our scale-up methodology. But as you say, I think this is a really core element of the characteristics required to be a really good CFO as well. I think it's, it's not just about sort of planning ahead, but it's also that feeling like actually you you really engage in the situation, you know, kind of come out of it stronger. Um, you're sort of helping people as well to, to develop their own resilience. It's not just about yours. It's about uh, showing people how to deal with these uh, difficult situations, sometimes in their, in their personal lives. I mean, you know, you're, you're educating and, and developing your team and, and people in your organization, I think, through giving them that uh, example mm. um, and you know if you have lots of resilient people in your business well hey presto you're going to have a more resilient business as, as, as well so i think it's really important that um, you know people lead by example and that they can show that they are resilient to get through difficult situations um, but they also have that empathy with other people might find it a little bit more difficult and they need a little bit more help a few more toolkits to get them through and then they can build their own resilience as well. And that helps the overall organization. So one question that I've got on that is that sometimes the CFOs are working on projects a little bit on their own. Maybe their team are not that involved just because of the nature of the thing that they're looking at. Mm. And that project might succeed or, or, or it might fail. Uh, there's always learnings in those things. Do you do you think that, that that style of resilient leadership means that you're more inclined to 
to share even, even when something doesn't go to plan there's 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 key learnings there that yeah. the business goes on and at some level you achieved your objective just just by testing that particular thing yeah i, I think w with resilience i think comes a level of confidence which means that you're prepared to admit when things haven't gone so well uh, again i think a sign of a sort of immaturity in, in a finance person might be that they they think that they already know the answers they have a way of doing things and it's worked for them in the past and that's the only way they now think that they can do things which as you and i know is is, is not always going to be the right thing to do there's going to be nuances to a situation there's going to be problems you haven't seen before and you need to keep learning and developing and um you know, there's there's always opportunities to to learn from everyone you meet. It might be that actually someone in your team has seen a situation more similar than the one you're, you're going through than you have, in which case you should be you know, learning from that experience as well. Um, you know, I personally, I think there's there's a huge amount to be done in terms of obviously, you know, networks of, of CFOs, you know, talking to, to people like Frogs who've got people who've got this experience. Sharing the experience is is a great way to at least have, know what. What the questions to ask are and and how you might improve yourself for the next time you come across a situation because nobody's been through every experience nobody knows all the answers there's always an opportunity to to keep learning and i think uh, yeah the, as you say the best cfos and the ones that are most resilient are the ones who are continually learning and, and not afraid to admit that they're continually learning yeah we found as part of our group actually that a lot of the members they will often connect with a subgroup of the membership, maybe just form close connections with a couple of people they've been on a course with, and that person will become the person that they can confide in a bit and talk about some of the more challenging things at work and um, just just being able to share with a peer and have them reflect back maybe similar challenges and things they did and kind of ways they found to resolve those items can be very powerful. Uh, but one of the other themes that we discover that, that is perhaps slightly less positive is also, people are just very busy, right? You know, working in these businesses that are going through very steep growth, mm. they consume a huge amount of your time. Uh, essentially, the members are quite time poor and, and perhaps even reluctant to invest in themselves. Mm. How do you help CFOs that work with Frog? How do you help them to continue to learn and find ways to invest in themselves? Yeah, I think it's, it is a matter of prioritization. I think there's always going to be more uh, work to be done than, than there is time to do it. Uh, and I think one of the things that we encourage people to think of is is their own development is uh, an equal priority against some of the other things that they might be dealing with. Uh, and it's important that they stay relevant to the business and that requires the development to be you know, better every year uh, in terms of what's required of the role of, of a company that's getting larger and larger. So I think it is about sort of giving them the confidence that it's, it's okay to invest in yourself. It's okay to, to be a little bit selfish about what you need because ultimately that is what the company is going to need uh, in the next few years. Yeah, find that way just to be that little bit selfish and uh, know that the business gets its return on it later on. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and sometimes that might mean you're sort of pushing back on some other areas, um, but ultimately there is there is a selling proposition here to the rest of the organization to say, well, hang on guys, everybody needs to be getting better here. And I sometimes need some time to be able to do that um, across everything else that needs done. Yeah, no one's ever the finished product. So moving on to some of the sort of broader skill sets you'd expect CFOs to be demonstrating by the time that they're in this point in their career. I guess one of the brackets would be communication, that you're looking for people that are, are great in a whole spectrum of communication situations from going out to pitch, uh, to working with their teams, to working across the company. Uh, how, does, how does that look from the frog standpoint? Yeah, obviously, hugely important uh, in a in a scale up phase that there is good communication across the organisation. 
um, and again, get setting good precedents for that, demonstrating that the uh, the department heads are all communicating well and talking with each other, sets that example that's that's really important. Now, particularly, I think for for finance uh, in smaller organisations, which can sometimes be a bit siloed and, and feel like they they don't have a remit to go and talk to the other parts of the organisation, but actually, it's really important part of being an efficient organisation and getting things done. You know, take the sort of contrast between sales and and finance. You know, sometimes sales just want to sort of get the deals done as quickly as possible and forget a little bit about some of the, the good documentation. Uh, and then finance are going to have struggles trying to, to collect that money or get it um, in, in, a, in a good state. And a lot of that just comes down to those two parties not understanding or empathizing with, with the other parties, not having spoken to them directly. Maybe they're only communicated by email. Um, it, it gets fairly terse fairly quickly. And people just don't understand what the problems are. Mm. Uh, so I think it's really important that, that you know, from the top, CFOs are encouraging better communication from their teams, that their teams should feel like they are part of the organization. They're out there talking to all parts of the organization. Uh, and particularly where there are issues, they actually go and sort of talk face to face. Maybe not in COVID times, but right now it's all good. And um, people should out there, be out there sort of uh, engaging with people because you know generally one-to-one -one and face-to-face -face, people are a lot nicer than they are on, on email and will understand the issues of, of either party a lot easier uh, and then you'll find a way to to make things better you still won't get perfect results you know there still will be things that sort of aren't to, to either party's liking but it's just a way of, of bridging some of these gaps which if you don't deal with it early you can create cultures which persist in organizations for a very long time and do create you know major issues you know, one of our uh, CFOs was telling me the other day that, that their, their um, recognized revenue numbers were only about 70% 70, 70 of, of the MRR number. And when he joined, he couldn't understand it. And he's been working through that gap. And it's all about the way those contracts are being recorded and the fact that a number of them have not been invoiced when they should have been because that flow of information and that communication between sales and finance has not worked very well. Um, and to a degree, because um, there probably hasn't been enough feedback to sales that there's some consequence of this happening. And so obviously there's an element here around sort of alignment of bonuses and incentives, but fundamentally it's about that communication and the transparency of if you don't do this, if you don't um, record these contracts in the right way, ultimately affects our revenue and ultimately affects our ability to collect that cash. Yeah, I think sometimes CFOs it's not intuitive for them to understand what's involved in the sales process and and how 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 often you're striking a brick wall as a salesperson. And I think when I was a CFO, one one thing that I typically do is try to get out with the salespeople for beers mm. every now and then. Uh, partly because salespeople love to talk. That's partly why why they're selling, yeah. and they're going to tell you something slightly different over beers from what you hear in the trading meeting. Yeah. And it's not bad for the CFO to hear that stuff. Um, but also partly because you, you want the relationship to be good enough that you don't have any loggerheads, you don't have any miscommunications or perhaps information passed between the parties that, that might somehow not be the one truth. But I'm sure there's there's lots of things that fantastic CFOs do to really break down any barriers. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it is about you know development of people. It's about making sure that there is transparency across the organization. And it's about, as you say, sort of getting out there and demonstrating that you're trying to understand the whole organization from top to bottom. And you're trying to understand the individuals and, and the challenges that they face. I think one of the, the problems often is, as you scale up as a business is that people um, work with a, a process or an approach that's worked for them before in a different organization. 
and they don't um, make the fit into the differences of, of their current organization and the nuances that maybe just need to be tweaked a little bit in order to make it work. And even if it's sometimes just renaming something uh, that means that it sort of has some better association with the organization. If it's a company that likes lots of jokes and you put a pun in it or something like that, it can really make a difference in terms of the level of engagement with that organization. And, and particularly when you looking at all the different parts of the organization that they feel like, you know, you're, you're trying to make an effort to, to align with them as opposed to coming in as a separate entity that's trying to control them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think often the control word that, that, that sits in the job title, financial controller, yeah. is actually quite negative and does, does make it harder for um, some of the people as they go up through those career routes to sort of engage and to, to do the partnering, essentially, because guess what? Other other parts of the company don't want to be controlled by a finance person. <laughs> Short car, probably that uh, yeah. job title needs to be retired at some point. Who knows? I think, um, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> it gives all the, rough, the wrong connotations. Yeah, it does. It does. And then, and then going towards your kind of shareholder responsibilities, right? So you've got stakes in a whole bunch of these businesses going through this quite significant growth journey. Mm. Uh, I, I guess in terms of what the CFO is doing when they are corresponding with the investors and attending board meetings, there's a piece there, presumably where there's a type of communication that, that's helping to boost the confidence about where the business is going. I mean, how do you see that with your CFOs? I think it's a really interesting challenge for CFOs to both be loyal to the team that they're part of, and obviously, you know, often they've they've joined as one of the later ones, so they're built, still building trust, but also to provide the right level of consistent and transparent reporting required for for the investors. And again, I think a particular PE level uh, with CFOs parachuted into organisations, they can just be seen as the spy of the PE house and not really part of the team at all. Uh, and you know, from my perspective, that's disastrous. Uh, so it's it's an interesting challenge for someone to to be the person who's managing expectations a bit, trying to make sure that um, you know maybe some of the more um, outrageous, um, op optimistic statements from from members of the board, founders, are sort of put in couched in in the right context about mm. what needs to happen in order for those to be delivered, and, and maybe sort of putting more. Uh, analysis around the range of outcomes that might happen um, based on where things go. I think it's really important that a CFO has that relationship with with a founder where they they know that almost they're coming from different perspectives, that they're coming from different ends of the range of what's what's our minimum case, what's our base case we're going to achieve, what's the high case. Don't come in with an attitude of, well, that's impossible, we're not going to achieve it, but more on the attitude of, well, to manage expectations, here's what we would need to do in order to achieve that mm. high case optimism. And then you can build on it and then you can obviously assess um, more effectively and, and communicate with your shareholders where are you on that journey and therefore it's not a surprise at the end of the year when suddenly oh, we, we haven't hit the, the the numbers that maybe were the stretch budget but there's been a gradual evolution of well we, we did x y and z well and therefore we're sort of in this case we missed this because it was outside of our control and therefore we couldn't hit the very the very top up, upside case so so for me this is a really um personal challenge around having one-to-one -one conversations with the CFOs, which I do, and all of our you know, portfolio companies buy into this as a, as a good um, line of communication where they probably are a little bit more honest with me about what the base case uh, element is and, and how many things have not yet been delivered that require the, uh, the upside case to, to be delivered. But they're not saying anything that the founder won't already know, that there is a clear clarity that they also know that there's 
various um, points on this journey that need to be achieved. But we don't want to get into a situation where maybe the board meetings are too negative based on the base case. You still want mm. to be focused on a growth case, but we still need that line of communication that says, okay, you know, let, let, let's face it, if everything goes wrong, what's the minimum you're going to do this year so we can manage our cash and we can manage our expectations around that. So that sounds like you probably really shouldn't be taking the most optimistic view into the board meeting anyway. And that if you were to do that, then it needs to be appropriately framed. And when you think about it, some of those details, all of the mechanics as to what it would take to deliver a set of numbers like that, you don't really want to be getting into all of that nitty gritty as part of that session. No, I agree. I think part of it is is being clear around sort of the the risk trade-off of a particular level of budget. I mean, we used to talk about budgets being sort of 85% probability and we sort of moved to a different approach now. But but from, from a conversation with a CFO perspective, when a first case of a budget comes to me, I'm saying, okay, what's your level of confidence around this? There will be some people who are coming and saying, okay, well, this is this is like a 75% or someone saying, well, this is a 95. And you know then how you might iterate that um, and how you might use it in terms of, incentives in terms of you know, managing expectations you know internally within frog as well so people will have different approaches to budgeting some people definitely seeing it as a bit of a aspirational target setting and some people see it as something that they absolutely want to beat to show that they always beat budget pretty much any of the range is okay as long as there's transparency about where you are and you don't say it's a stretch budget and then you you actually you know easily beat it because <laughs> you knew that everything was already in place to deliver on it so a lot of those sort of conversations as you say are much much healthier done one-to-one to the finance person to finance person to assess probabilities to assess scenario planning to assess what needs to go right and what needs to go wrong often with a board meeting particularly if there's a lot of people on the board if there's a lot of earlier stage vcs you probably don't want to, to go through this degree of, of detail as you say it probably wouldn't um, give the right messaging there still has to be a message of we're confident in the future and we are going to hit growth um, and we we know exactly how to do that but behind the scenes i think more transparency around the communications and making sure that if something does go wrong which is outside of your control that's not a surprise and that people should be prepared that uh, for that and also be aware that the company knows what to do in that situation as well yeah 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 i can see that very interesting. And then I think to reach the last point, something that, that, that we talked about the last time we met was, and, and have touched on actually as part of this podcast, very often the CFO is the last of the C-suite to come in. Yeah. So perhaps the CMO, the CTO could have been in situ one or two years, perhaps even longer, frankly. And so you've got you've suddenly got this, this new senior person uh, as part of the team. Uh, are there things that investors can do to really help the team to integrate so that as as they get going it's easier for them to act collectively and to feel responsible for the outcomes in the business collectively collective responsibility absolutely is, is a really important um, part of the the process i think this sort of comes from the engagement of the cfo with that team and making sure that they feel like they are contributing to, to decision making contributing to budgeting contributing to forecasting that their voices are going to be heard but that those good robust debates happen behind closed doors uh, and then when everyone has agreed on what the right approach to, to, to come out with is what the budget is what's going to be presented to the investors that everyone agrees that they're going to execute against that effectively and that there are no whinging outside of the meeting if it didn't if it wasn't an issue that was raised in the meeting and, and, and dealt with by the collective then it shouldn't be raised outside and I think that's again something that we encourage good debates I mean we would we would rather we had a team where there was a bit of 
conversation and debate going on between the execs in a board meeting rather than one that feels like it's well they've all agreed and they're just presenting to us but ultimately when they get outside of that board meeting and they're talking to the company and they're talking to the people who have to believe that they're going to execute on this plan they should all be aligned and they should all be clear that this is a plan that we know how we're going to deliver and we know each particular department's element in delivering that and i think the the cfo can obviously be a good point of coordinating that effort and making sure that that's the case and um, making sure that everyone has the resources available to deliver their part of it yeah i can see that and uh if you think it through like that that consistency between how the team is in the boardroom versus in the the all hands they might have on the friday afternoon versus their executive team meetings or all their trading team meetings that that consistency that they're sufficiently on the same page that, that the tensions are not evident in the various forums I mean, it's clearly key stephen thank you very much for giving us the time to be on the podcast uh i wish there were more venture funds that took such a strong interest in the cfo role i have to say yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we see it as uh, something that almost evangelical about. We don't see this as something that's just proprietary to, to Frog. We think that you know, there is a shortage of companies coming through the growth stage and, and really becoming very large uh, companies in the, in the UK and Europe compared to the US. And we think that this is an area which you know, we can do much better on. And uh, we would love to see other people providing the sort of same sort of resources and support to, uh, to CFOs to, to help them develop. And that, you know, that's where I started from. I think probably too many people fail without really knowing why they failed or what the benchmark was that they were supposed to be achieving. And I think a lot of that can be dealt with, with providing you know, good examples, good benchmarks and, and good support networks of how do I how do I improve myself and get to a position where I'm still going to be relevant to this company in a year's time, in two years' time, and in three years' time? Stephen, it's been fantastic to hear how Frog Capital puts so much emphasis on the CFO role. Obviously, that's so closely aligned with where we are with the group. So it's great to hear. Uh, for those that have enjoyed this podcast and want to learn a bit more, if you look in the episode details, there's a few links to some of Frog's resource in this area. Thank you for listening to CFO Insights, brought to you by the Startup CFO Membership Group. If you're looking to develop your finance career, please check out our L&D program at startupcfo.tech. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast already, you know what to do.